Hello, everybody. Welcome to Routine Expedition, the first and best official unofficial podcast dedicated to the land of the lost. And you're listening to episode four, where we are going to review the episode Downstream. And today, I have a wonderful cast of characters with me to review the episode. Our co-host, Dusty Debris, appearing... Hello, Dusty. Well, hello there. Appearing for his second episode. He's replacing Chris, who fell into a crevasse after recording episode two. So, we miss Chris, but we have Dusty now. And guest hosting today, taking the place of Hogshank, is the one and only Tyranno Ted. Hello. Hi, Ted. How you doing? Pretty good. Good. Are you a fan of Land of the Lost? Very much. Okay, well, we're looking forward to hearing your thoughts on this episode. Okay, now, before we get going... Before we jump into some Land of the Lost-related news, we're going to ask you to please subscribe to our podcast, download our podcast, and most importantly, tell a friend. Because what good is enjoying this if you cannot share it with a friend? So, and also, leave us reviews on Apple Podcasts. We've gotten some reviews already, and unsurprisingly, they have been rave reviews. Someone even said it's their new favorite podcast. Come on. Yep. I'm gonna give that a I'm gonna give that a big Alice. Okay. Now Big Alice was a little drowned out there by the intro music. Now How's everyone doing? Tyranno Ted, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? Good. Now, that's all. You're doing good. Okay. Dusty, how are you? I'm well, considering uh, having been in quarantine for so long. Yeah. But nothing a little yard work can't, can't break, really. It's- yeah. You can, you can work out some of that tedium by getting out there and moving the bones around. Pushing rocks around. Yep, the dusty bones. And for those mm-hmm. for those of you who may be tuning in at some point in the future, we're recording this during the what most certainly will be remembered as the great COVID nineteen pandemic. Great's a pretty strong word. You don't think it's great? Well, it depends on how you're using it. Well, what do you think? How would you characterize this pandemic that we're living through? Horrible, but if you're using great in a sense that it's like really impactful and sure. Okay, so the horrible COVID-19 pandemic. I don't think you're wrong. I'm going to give you a big Alice. There's no higher honor on the Routine Expedition podcast. Well, good to know I got the highest honor within the first Five minutes of the podcast. Yeah, then to get a big Alice. So there you go. Now you've got a, you've got a lot to live up to. You came out of the gate strong, Tyranno Ted, and you've got to keep it up. 
All right. <clears throat> what do you find co-hosts think about talking about some Land of the Lost related news? I'd say it was appropriate. What do you think, Tyranno? I um I think it's uh appropriate. Thank you. Here we go. Okay. So the first news article I wanted to talk about that's sort of related to the Land of the Lost because it's about dinosaurs was scientists have discovered these ancient crocodiles that walked on two legs like dinosaurs. That, yeah, that is terrifying. What do you think? Dusty, go ahead. Trying to picture what sort of legs. I'm I'm thinking um, like slee stack legs. See, when I read this article, the first thing that popped into my mind is these were almost like slee stacks. Why? Because they're green. Mm. Well, they're yeah, they're they're they would be you know tallish. Uh, crocodiles are long. In, mm-hmm. You know, I'd expect them to be more similar to. A Tyrannosaurus, because they shared a common ancestor at one point. Okay, that's a, that's a, a valid point of view. Ted dropping knowledge. Yep, in, 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 my, in my mind, I saw these things as being kind of like slee stacks, minus the, the uh, but, but with elongated snouts. Minus the crossbows. Yeah, like basically crocodiles running around on two legs. What could be more terrifying? An actual slee stack. Yeah, probably that. Now, I'm glad these things don't exist anymore. What about you two? I don't know. Are you sure they're they sure, Are you sure that they still don't exist? Oh. Well, I'm not sure at all. Are you suggesting that they could be some kind of cryptid? I'm not suggesting anything. I'm just uh, putting ideas out there. Well, that's a good idea. Now, what do you... There it says over three feeters, three feeters, three meters in length. That's a. That is terrifying. Nine foot long. Yeah. Coming at you with their feet slapping on the tiles. You know, I'd expect them to be bigger. I don't know. The earth is warmer at that point, right? Right. And there was a lot of megafauna, right? Mm -hmm. Is that what you're, is that kind of what you're saying? Yes, that is what I am hinting at. Yeah. Well, I'm sticking with my, these things are. Basically, slee stacks with long noses, and I agree with you. There's a chance they might still be out there, and we need to launch a routine expedition to go find them. That sounds like a great idea, Dusty. Do you have a yellow raft? I do, and my vest is already on, as usual. Ted, are you game? Can't say I do. <laughs> Dusty Ted Sawtooth on a routine <laughs> expedition. No? Uh, I'll give that a grumpy. That was terrible. That was objectively terrible. All right. Fine. Ted is a tough... Ted is a tough audience. Tyranno Ted. Okay. All right. So that was the first uh, Land of the Lost-related news article I wanted to share. Then I saw something else. It was another dinosaur article um, about... um, Scientists discovered what an armored dinosaur, like an Ankylosaurus, ate for mm. its last meal. 
You want to guess what that last meal might have been, um, Ted? Uh, Dusty, I'm going to pass on you because you've seen the show notes, so you undoubtedly know mm. what its last meal was. But Ted, can you guess what its last meal was? Well, if there wasn't any food available and it was dying, I don't know. Uh, when there was food available. Okay, when there was food available. Uh, probably plants. What kind of plant would you think? I'm what, not exactly sure. What were the progenitors of flowered plants? Uh, what covered the earth before we had flowers? You know, to, to be honest, I should know this, but I've forgotten the name. It's like, it's, uh, I, yeah, I've forgotten the we name. We eat them in the spring. Vegetables? Oh, yeah, you get the grumpy. Uh, no, ferns. Ferns, that's right. Yeah, the earth was covered in ferns. Seedless plants. <clears throat> Are ferns seedless? Yeah, they do spores, I think. Yeah. So that was 88% of the material that they found in this Ankylosaurus's <laughs> stomach. And the rest was stems and twigs. Any thoughts about that, Tyranno Ted? I don't know. I'd have a hard time eating twigs, so I can't really relate. Yeah. Dusty, any 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 thoughts you want to offer on this observation? Well, the 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 woods around my house have plenty of ferns, so I'm well versed in in fernery, as they say. Um, are, are the woods filled with ankylosauruses? No, just the ferns. They they're not being eaten whatsoever. They're they'll be up to my armpits in the middle of the summer, so they're very well cantankerous ferns. <clears throat> I have a question for you. Oh, go ahead, Tyranno Ted, please. Now, who are these scientists? These scientists were, I don't know. Um, There's a link in the show notes. People can go and click on that and see um, who they were. Um, But I I don't know um, off the top of my head. I'd have to open up the show notes and take a look. I'm not going to do that right now. But, um, you know, the biggest surprise for me is why was anybody surprised by this? Because, like, the earth was just basically covered with ferns. I don't know. Maybe some Maybe some of their uh, main food sources didn't fossilize. Maybe it wasn't uh, hmm. wasn't composed of the right materials. There was too yeah. little carbon in them. Hmm. And maybe the surprise here was the, the, was the stems and twigs. I'll be honest. I have to read the article in a little more depth. But anyways, if you're interested in... Now... Let me back up. Does the show have an Ankylosaurus in it? I think it does at some I think, point. I think there's one in the background. <clears throat> An- uh, remind me, Ankylosauruses have the tail. Um, the, and the big armored plates running across the ridge of their backs. I think there is an Ankylosaurus at some point. I Dusty, believe- do you have any recollection of that? I can't remember myself. I don't recall either. You're, we're talking about the tail with a big, huge ball yeah. at the end of it. Yeah, I th- um. I think so. An armor plate. See. Well, if that's what it is, I think I think there's one in the background. Yeah, I'm going to get reamed by our listeners for not knowing what an ankylosaurus is. Hey, we never said we were well researched. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, you're going to get called a. Um, you're going to get called anti-science. I'm not anti-science. I just have a bad memory. <laughs> that's what I- you're going to get called, though. Yeah, but I think uh, Tyranno, Ted, and Dusty, I think you're both right. I think the Ankylosaurus is not the dinosaur with the big row of spike, uh, spines on its back. I think it's the one that 
Um, Wouldn't that be called the Spinosaurus? Yeah, I think the Ankylosaurus more has like a turtle-like shell and that big mm-hmm. ball on the end of its tail. Is that right? Yeah. And the perimeter of the shell with big spikes on it. Yeah. So, Dusty and Ted, you get the big Alice. Hello. Uh, do we start the big Alice? Do hmm? we know who's right? Uh, I think I think you and Dusty um, narrowed in on what an Ankylosaurus was. Everyone's got to review and uh, tell us whether or not we were right or wrong. Yeah, so I, I think our listeners uh, may be more well-versed in general um, dinosaurology than we are. So let us know. Drop us a note uh, on the socials uh, how we did with this this uh, guessing what an Ankylosaurus was. Do we have any paleontologists out there? That's a good question. If there are paleontologists out there, drop us a line. All right. Well, that's all I had for that's all I had for news. You ready to jump into this um, episode recap? Very. All right. So before every recap we do, you know, we ask the question. What's going on here? What's going on here? What's going on here? We're here to tell you what is going on here in season one, episode four of Land of the Lost. This episode is titled Downstream. It aired on... September 28th, 1974. Tyranno Ted, how old are you? Uh, I'm almost 13. Yeah, so, jeez, I'm crow. I was six, seven months old at the time this came out. And this episode was directed by, once again, Dennis Steinmetz. Dusty, I think that's four for four, isn't it? On yeah, the dire- we don't know... If you're starting from scratch, you don't know any different. This is a, a Steinmetz world. <clears throat> yeah, it's it's been from well, given my bad memory, this has been all <laughs> Steinmetz. So, and the writer now, I think this might be our first appearance by Larry Niven, who is a famous science fiction writer. So he wrote this episode, and I think it shows. Absolutely. So, um, I'm gonna do a scene by scene walkthrough now. Okay, we're going to talk about what happened in this episode. And as usual, our episode opens up with the Land of the Lost theme song. Right? So, do you want to hear a little bit of that? Love to. Okay. Here we go. It's the best theme song ever. Marshall Will you want to sing along? Nah. On a routine expedition. Greatest earthquake ever known. I'm the rapids. Tiny raft. There they go. They're plunging. Some feet below. Now, get ready. We're doing our Wesley watch still. Um, Dusty. Let's see if we get it. We're waiting to see if Wesley Yore is introduced as Wesley Yore in this episode, or just Wesley, Ted. Oh, there he is. It's just Wesley. Mm-hmm. Wesley! marketable. Okay. There we go. That's the opening. That's the opening. You know, you, you said earlier that this was the best theme song, but you know, 
I I have to argue that earlier your um, adaptation of oh. it was much better. Let's get a little grumpy. You liked my adaptation better. That was a ironic review. No, I did not. Okay, well, we're gonna I'm have to do to it every interview, it. every uh, episode now. So get used to it. Yep, I, that was enjoyable. So <laughs> we're gonna sing the whole thing every time. Yep. So the Wesley watch is still on, right? We'll see what happens in episode five. But so the episode opens with the marshals sitting near a pylon building a raft. Now, one thing I noticed about this is there doesn't really, they seem to be a good ways away from the water as they're building this raft, yet it is firmly tied to the pylon as though, you know, the raft itself may blow, get up, away. blow away or get up and run away or mm-hmm. maybe a it, dinosaur will come by yeah. and grab it and run off with it. I know, but, maybe, maybe they just look like big potato chips, all the rafts to the dinosaurs. Yeah, and there is precedence for this. In the opening theme song, you know, Grumpy goes after their raft. Yeah, no, they're lying in it, but so maybe they're just assuming that all dinosaurs uh, like to attack rafts. Who knows? But anyways, they're building this raft. It's firmly anchored to a pylon, and Holly asks... Rick Marshall, her father, Dad, do you think the river will get us out of here? Then Rick you know, tells Holly, he says, well, people build cities at the forks of rivers, and maybe we'll find some people if we get on this raft and go down the river. He and th- means it a delta, right? Yeah, I think so. And then, then Will asks, what kind of people? It's an interesting question. I'm not sure what Will imagines who builds... Uh, probably Sleestack, from think what so? he's seen. Yeah. Okay. Probably a bit traumatized from that. He got trapped in the uh, temple earlier. Yeah, so, you know, Rick seems optimistic about the idea of getting on this raft, traveling down the river, and finding some people, but Will's not so sure. He's worried about what kind of people they'll find living on the river. And I do want to point out, I noticed, too, that Will had a hairstyle I had not quite seen before. He, it, his hair seemed to be like a helmet, and it was really flat. So, um, I'm not really sure what to make about that, whether Mr. Yor was having a bad hair day on the set, or... You know, the, swamp the, is pretty humid. It does crazy things to the hair. <laughs> That's right. Uh, the humidity. Who knows? Um, and then there's some talk about um, the 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 life vests, and Rick launches into a full on lecture, <laughs> and then we cut to the the raft on the swamp. Uh, right, it's on the water, and they're not quite to the river yet. They're trying to get to the main river. Um, and Will, Will is paddling really, really hard as he's pushing this raft through the swamp. And Rick is just kind of laying there on his back with his hands behind his head. Uh, just, Bad move. Yep. Just kind of lounging around on the raft while, while poor Will is just toiling away, pushing this raft through the swamp. And then Holly sees Dopey hanging around on the... He's the the baby Brontosaurus that they had adventures with in episode three. 
Holly sees Dopey, and she starts yelling goodbye to Dopey. Um, this 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 upsets Will, especially when um, Holly saying goodbye to Dopey seems to attract Grumpy. Right, so Grumpy Grumpy comes running into the um, running into the picture, um, and Will Will is Will seems surprised as though Grumpy somehow snuck up on them. You know, I, I can't imagine a Tyrannosaurus would be all that quiet as it was approaching, but um, they seem very they seem very surprised by this, and Will Will screams at Holly, "Now you've done it!" Right, and um, he so paddling even harder. Yeah, Will starts paddling even harder, and Dopey is just kind of sitting there watching the whole entire thing, uh, while Grumpy is menacing the the fleeing marshals on their raft, and not at all like a giant Tyrannosaurus is in the vicinity. He's just hanging out there on the edge of the swamp, and we get a wide shot of. Grumpy and Dopey just sitting there on the uh, shore of the swamp together. Mm. Yeah, it's uh, interesting because in the third episode, it was very apparent that Grumpy was taking an interest in uh, eating Dopey. So Yes, but in our review of episode three, mm. Dusty hypothesized, because the whole thing seemed preposterous in episode three, that Grumpy could not catch Dopey. Oh, you think it was a scheme? Well, this is what Dusty hypothesized, that it was mm-hmm. some kind of, that Dopey and Grumpy are running a long con on the Marshalls. Ooh. Yeah. And, and I, I, see, I, see, I see concrete evidence for this hypothesis in episode four. They were seen together. We got we to gotta keep on this. We yeah. can't drop this story, guys. This yeah. is big stuff. So we've, in addition to our Wesley watch, we're, we're, we're formally opening an investigation now after episode four into this theory that Grumpy and Dopey are working together. Ted, go ahead. Uh, about what? Oh, I thought you were going to talk. Sorry, no. No, okay. What do you, I mean, you know, let's, let's keep in mind, this is apparently some kind of alternate universe. And maybe these two have hatched a scheme. Maybe and they're all secretly extremely intelligent. Yeah, and they're they're working they're working in tandem against the marshals. So we're gonna keep our eye on this particular issue. See how it develops as we go along reviewing these episodes. But Dusty, you've you've earned this. It was your keen eye in episode three. You're really ready for some crazy stuff. Oh yeah, um, please. Speaking of uh, lonely dopey, um, you were concerned, you know, that he was going to be left alone on the on the bank of the river there. However, in the cutscene between um, them arriving uh, to, to dopey, there's a lonely Bronto hanging out by itself. Um, I did notice that. And- perhaps related. And I think that's his mom. Yeah, and I think that might be Emily. Emily. We saw Emily, I believe, in episode three, and they referenced mm. they referenced her by name. Yes, they did. They did name drop. Yep. So we've got so we've got Emily, we've got Grumpy, and we've got Dopey, who who the the latter two who are likely working together by our estimation in this mm. episode. So 
So that's the that's the dopey grumpy hypothesis. So we're going to keep on that. Um, so so we leave off with here. Will is paddling frantically to get away from Grumpy. He's just really digging in. And then we we well, mind you, yeah, the marshal hasn't at all offered to help row or paddle. Rick, no, no. And in fact, we we transition to the next scene, and here we have Rick once again lying on his back. Um, you know, spread eagle, just, just, just enjoying the sun, and they're they're clearly out of danger at this point, right? They're 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 slowly drifting down the river. There's no dinosaurs to be seen, and so Rick says, "Well, I guess it's my turn to have a to have a shot at paddling here." You know, he 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 jumps in when when all is clear to help out, and then um, and then Will goes. Uh, well, it's about time. Yeah, uh, Will makes a snarky comment, and Rick shoots him a glance. You know, a, a glance. It was like one more time, kid. Go ahead. I'm gonna talk. You You're going into the river. So, so uh, the marshals they they keep paddling down the river, and they end up in a cave with these green kind of walls and light. And once again, I have to point out, I notice there's just something off about Will's hair in this scene. I implore you to go back and look at it. It's really flat. It's not its typical curly, um, poofy, kind of voluminous nature. Um, oh, they were just on the river. Yeah, maybe. And again, as, and as Dusty pointed out, maybe the humidity. And also, I think we should point out how they got into the cave. How did they get into the cave? So, uh, as they were going down the river, Will, I'm not sure actually which one of them, but they noticed a waterfall, right? Oh yeah, I'm going to get to that. Yep, so they're, right. on the, they're on the river, and the river kind of transitions into this larger cavern, right, that's green, and up ahead, as Ted has pointed out, um, I think Will or Rick uh, yells, yells out, there's a waterfall ahead! And then, then Rick, he says, oh look, there's a hole in the wall over there, right? which I think they presume is a cave. And so they get close to the hole, and Rick braces the raft against the, the, ca- the, um, the cavern wall. And, and, this is, and here, the, here the, the drama of the scene really ramps up. Mm-hmm. Right? There's a lot of yelling and screaming. I think I'm going to try to fast forward to it and actually play it if I can. I really wanted to... To show this whole scene, let's have a let's have a listen to this. I think it's worth I think it's worth listening to because there's some real good acting going on here. Um, I'm surprised I'm surprised nobody won an Emmy for this, especially um, <laughs> Spencer Milligan. All right, have a listen. It's a waterfall. Well, there's no shore, and we're being pulled toward it. Yeah, no fear. It's a hole in the wall. I'll force that when we get there. Okay. So Rick is bracing bracing the raft against the wall. I don't know how long this pole's gonna hold. He doesn't know how long the no pole's use, gonna hold. You and Holly get off. Come on. Hey, but what about you, Dad? Don't worry Dad, about I me. Really don't can't leave you. I said don't worry about me. Now come on, get with Holly. Go, Holly. Quick. It's breaking. Oh, Dad. Here we go. Dad. The pole. The pole is bending. It's breaking. Dad. Oh. Dad, hold on. Will. Will Dad. is really come selling on. this. The river. They're, they're pulling Rick out of the Dad. river. Now, 
Rick is gasping as though he's just run a marathon. Bet Will having Where done do most of the lifting. I guess we'll have to go back. Well, so that's the scene. I mean, talk about some some high tension, dramatic acting. My, Wesley's definitely using his uh, soap opera chops. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, and I mean we're 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 laughing a little bit, but you know these actors are really selling oh, yeah. it. They're they're oh, they, sure. and it puts you it puts you right in there. You know, they're, they're, they make you believe the danger. What do you think, Ted? Uh, the only thing I'd really think about that scene was uh, the fact that the stick was hollow, the one they were using to paddle, and it bended like it was made out of paper. Yeah, so you think um, maybe they should have invest? they should have put some uptime, upfront yeah. time in a better stick? Maybe get a hardwood, a hardwood pole. Yeah, um, maybe a, a cypress pole or... Cedar. A bunch of uh, Christmas wrapping tubes all pushed into each other. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, one of those. Um, so tied together with bandanas. I don't know. Yep. So we transition here um, to a scene where the uh, after after Rick presumably recovers from his exhaustion, we we transition to a scene where they're wandering through these what look like tunnels. Um, the like the Sleestack tunnels from the Lost City. They look very similar to that, but they're different. And Will makes the observation that he says these tombs look water carved. And and that rivers don't just disappear. That's pretty specific. Yeah. So I'm not sure where he got all of this experience in tombs and geology geology and the disappearance of rivers but here we have it so there's more wandering then all of a sudden they hear some singing and i i did some googling of the lyrics and it turns out that they hear somebody singing the what is known as the de facto national anthem of the Confederacy, mm-hmm. which is I Wish I Was in Dixie. So that's the name of the song. It's also known as Dixie. So Marshall's here. There's just some conversation about who's singing. It must be a person. Then I think Rick says, only a person could sing that bad. Chuckles at his own joke. Yep. He, he laughs at his own dad joke. And they, they walk out onto a cliff. Okay? And then we cut to a scene where there is a, a man down below them in a giant kind of cave. So he's on the cavern floor. And there's all of these colorful crystals on the wall. And the man is singing that song, the, the Confederate National Anthem. And he's swinging a pickaxe and doing what appears to be mining crystals. Okay? Um, So, he sees the marshals up on the cliff. um, And in kind of cartoon character style, he hitches up his overalls. um, And he runs over to a cannon. And he lights a match. And he he holds the match threateningly over the the back end of the cannon where, where, where the wick would be. And he, and he tells the marshals to come on down here from that from up there on that cliff. <clears throat> so the marshals kind of, you know, they, they see they've been cornered. 
and this man might shoot the cannon at them, so they come down off of the cliff, and the man, after some conversation, the man tells them his name. He says, he's Jefferson Davis Colley III. I think I got that right. And he tells them that he's part of the Confederate States um, of America. Of America. So um, he 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 has the the marshals at cannon point, if you will, and he he commands them to sit down and to to set a spell, as he says it, set a spell, and he begins interrogating them. Right, where are you from? That kind of stuff, um, and the marshals tell him that they're from California, and there's some conversation about that, um, and then then Rick uh, smartly begins to play him, and he compliments the cannon, right, and then um, Jefferson Colley, uh, he says, um, we find out that he's named the cannon Sarah, and he he believes that it is a lady. So, um, Kali then spends some time insulting their clothes. He, he makes comments about their life jackets and their shirts. And uh, the marshals ask how they can get out of there and where the river goes. Now, Kali, here, here, we, here we begin to get some universe-building stuff Um Tyranno Ted and Dusty. This I thought this was interesting. Um, Collie says the river don't end; it just goes underground and goes on forever. Now, I'm kind of curious how he knew that. He must have at one point tried to go down the river, um, despite and, the fact that he said he can't swim a leg. <laughs> yeah, he reveals later he can't swim a lick. I think he says. Um, but we're, we're to know at this point that this, this river is infinite, according to Kali. Um, but then um, Kali tells the marshals that he's not going to let him go because he's afraid they might file on his claim. And I, and I think he's referring to the crystals. And he believes they're, that, that they're valuable. So, um, and then... Yeah, so at this point, then, I think, is when he reveals he's part of the, the Confederate Army. So, um, one thing I just wanted to say, like, prior to doing this show, um, Dusty and I were having some correspondence about how um, we're, we're recording this right now in June of 2020, and it's following several weeks of uh, national demonstrations uh, for the Black Lives Matter movement. And so we were kind of going back and forth about how this particular episode that depicts a uh, stereotypical Confederate soldier um, was kind of topical. And I think, you know, aside, aside from um, saying, you know, that we... We routine expedition supports the Black Lives Matter movement. We're not going to say much more about you know, um, the politics around this, um, but we just wanted to address that um, in case people are wondering why we didn't. Because 
you know, Jefferson Colley the third is um, likely a a racist who fought in a war to um, keep slavery around. Um, fortunately, they lost, and obviously, our nation, you know, hundred hundred how many years some years later has still has a lot of work to do so and we support we support that work and we support black lives matter so anything else we want to say not on that particularly but it just it seemed like a yeah a strangely timed episode to to cover yeah so anyways we just wanted we'll yeah we just want to address that so um so Kali, at this point after revealing that he's part of the Confederate Army, Colley offers to share his supper in exchange for the marshals helping him dig crystals. Rick agrees, um, pointing at the cannon. I think the implication being they have no choice but to agree. Um, and then Colley, in an, in an odd in an odd moment of um, of human heavy artillery eroticism begins stroking the cannon's hole and says, um, Sarah ain't never hurt no one. She's friendly. No one that deserved it anyway. Yeah, say that again, Ted. Into the front of the microphone, No one that deserved it anyway. Right. Yeah, so, um, I think we're left, I think we're left to imagine maybe that Jefferson Colley has a, has an unnatural relationship with his canon so um this is a family show however so we'll move we'll move on from that topic um so then we cut to a scene of of rick mining crystals and um will whining that he's tired and he's hungry and he misses their old cave at high bluff and Rick holds up a yellow crystal for some reason. So he's holding one in his hand. Okay? Now, at this point, has Collie revealed what the crystals do? No, not yet. That no. comes in a little bit. So Collie's going to reveal what the crystals do. So, um, so then we get back to... Um, we cut over to Holly, who is running in some other part of the cave and she dives down onto her knees in a pile of sand and um, begins digging up what appears to be a sleestack skeleton. Right? So she pulls a, um, a head, a skull out of the sand and then a pelvis. And then, then what appears to be a stick flops down next to her not sh- not like very sh- it wasn't uh with a lot of force either kind of just uh fell yep. next to her yeah it just kind of dropped out of the sky um and flopped down next to her on the ground so holly kind of gathers all of this stuff up and she runs off then we cut back to rick and will and they're talking about the crystals that they're digging up in their power, right? 
um, they're they're surmising that these crystals possess power. And Rick goes as far to hypothesize that the crystals might power the time portal they fell through. And Will Will worries that the crystals are radioactive at this point. And that's pretty reasonable because they're all glowing. Yeah. Um, Rick doesn't agree, though. He, he says he doesn't think so. Uh, he thinks they're safe. Uh, so then they talk, um, Rick, and, Rick and Will talk a little bit about how long they think Kali has been down there in that cave. Right, and that they shouldn't let him know who won the Civil War. Right, they don't want him to get upset. Right, because <clears throat> the, the Confederate Army lost. So they don't want to, they don't want Kali to, to, to get too upset about that. So then all of a sudden, Holly runs in with the slee stack skull, the pelvis, and the crossbow, the crossbow bolt, right? The slee stack crossbow bolt. Rick looks at all of this stuff, and then he, then he exclaims in a really kind of odd way. He goes, "Slee stack, the big insect," and he just kind of lets that sit out there like that. Mm. Now, Ted and I were, were talking before about whether or not anyone has referred to Sleestack up until this point as the big insect, and I didn't think so. But, Ted, mm-hmm. you said you had a, a different recollection? I'm relatively sure in episode three, when uh, Will and Holly are going into the temple, I think Will, uh, Will calls, uh, says something along the lines of they're insects or something. Okay. Right, that sounds like a will thing to kind of say. I'm not 100 percent sure. Yeah, don't uh, don't fact check me on that. So uh, that is fact and it is true. All right, so don't listeners, um, please fact check Ted on that immediately and uh, post whether or not he's right or wrong. Did Will Marshall at some point refer to the slee stacks as insects? We need to know. Sorry, Ted, you're going to get fact checked. Okay. All right, so they all look at the crossbow bolt. bolt. Uh, Rick says something about how it's fresh. It's a fresh <laughs> bolt. It has fresh scratches on it or something like that. wonder how you can tell. Those look fresh, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> they, they all decide they got to get out of there. Right? Um, so Holly then says, well, they should be safe in the cave there uh, because the slee stack don't like light. Right? Um, which... Doesn't we ha- make too much sense. They have ranged weapons now. Then they do have ranged weapons, but they they're mostly flopping range weapons. They they don't appear to shoot with any kind of velocity. They just flop out of the sky. It's like a rubber band yeah. gun. Yeah, I mean they're more like um, slingshots. Yeah, or alert systems for their enemies. Well, about slingshots, we'll talk about those later. Yeah. For now, they're crossbows. Right, yeah. crossbows. Wink. Yep. Um, so so, um, Collie then Collie then comes onto the scene, and he's got he's got some stuff with him that he sets down, and it looks like one of the things is identifiable as a fish, right? And the other one we we I think later find out is a mushroom. But he sets those down on the ground, and then he begins talking about the crystals. He tells them the blue crystals will make them sick. 
So probably radioactive, maybe plutonium, who knows? Yeah, I mean... Blutonium. Yep, so, um, and that he says the yellow ones are fine, right? And then Kali puts together a red and green crystal and they glow. And then he says, if you add a yellowin, it'll blind you, but it don't last long. Right, so we find something out here, right, that... Um, putting together red and green crystals will create a steady, long-lasting light. But if you throw a yellow into the mix, it kind of provides a burst of light that fades out quickly. And this will become important later. Um, so then Holly looks at the stuff that Collie brought in, and he he tells he tells her that he tells her that it's a fish. But then we can clearly see that the other thing is a mushroom. So, then Will complains that they won't be having rack of lamb for dinner. Well, he doesn't really complain. It's not very genuine. He kind of jokes, you know. Yeah. It seemed like a complaint to me. I don't know. He kind of got it off as a joke. I think he also kind of elbowed uh, Rick Marshall and was like, get it? Get it? Yeah, I mean, that may be. my. my, I'll grant it. I have a cynical interpretation of... Anything Will? that Will says, yes. Mm. Yeah, so um Ted, you're Sorry, Will. Ted, you have a more a more charitable um lens for that character. Well, char- charitable is uh you can only interpret that by what by what I'm saying. I actually what I think about him is uh different because that joke was pretty pretty terrible. No context. It wasn't even funny. No punchline. I think it was a terrible line. Okay. So at this point, uh, Rick asks Collie about the Sleestack bones. Right. And then Collie says to him, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I shot three of those when I got here a year ago. And that they're the biggest damn Yankees he ever saw. Right. And so we learned something here that. Kali has been there at least a year. And Let- he thinks the green monsters that are shooting, uh, no, nah, they're not shooting at him yet, but he thinks the green monsters with scales are Yankees. Yep. So he, he, he might be having some cognitive issues. And so then he says they tasted like lobster, but then again, not like lobster at all. You know what I mean? Yep. That's what he says. Right. And so at this point, Rick's had enough, Right. He goes full um, confrontation. Rick, Rick Dad Marshall on him, puts his hands on his hips, and begins lecturing Collie about the slee stack coming back, and he demands to know where the river is. He's a very threatening man when he leans over. Yep. And Rick uh, called, but however, Collie, Collie is not intimidated. Um, then, then Rick yells at Collie some more. And Collie just says he's too lonely to let them go. He's going to keep them there in the cave. Says well, they might like it there. Yep, they might like it there, but not one to be deterred in his own right. Rick begins mad dad lecturing Collie even more and, say, and um, saying that... Um, saying that Collie fought a war because he didn't want people telling him what to do. 
and neither do the Marshalls. Now, if I'm being critical of of, of Rick Marshall here, um, you know he's from he's from the '70s, and he should know his history. And I think um, maybe he 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 should not have framed the Civil War from a states' rights context. That's just that's just your old pal Sawtooth talking here. Um, you know, I think he should have taken a firmer stand on um, the 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 moral reasons we fought the Civil War as a country. But um, Rick Rick is under duress, and maybe he maybe he he lost himself for a minute there. So um, he gets right up into Collie's face um, and says that if they go on their own. They're gonna get lost in the tunnels, and Ted. That at that point, that's when Collie smiles and says to Rick, kind of like, "I've got you here, and you're not leaving." He says, "It ain't so bad here." So I've been telling you. That's what I've been telling you, right? So, <clears throat> so at this point, I think that we're we cut to a commercial, right? Um, potentially. Um, it and this, comes back. Yeah, and we come back, and a crossbow bolt flies into the cave. Uh, not, not yet. They're all mining crystals. Oh, they're mining crystals. They're back to mining crystals, Ted. Yes. Okay, so they're mining crystals. Thank you. And then, uh, then a crossbow bolt flies into the cave. Um, and here come the slee stack. They're up on the cliff, right where the marshals initially came in from. Collie. Uh, hops up and runs over to the cannon and sends off a blast, causing a huge explosion. Uh, and then Kali um, lovingly caresses his cannon. Right? Once again. Um, well, and that burns himself. Yeah. Um, and then, then I think here we fade into commercial. Right? So when we come back from commercial... Um, we, we come in on a scene of um, a depressed Rick lying on the ground against one of the large crystals. Um, once again, man-spreading. Advanced man-spreading. <laughs> Extreme man-spreading, right? Yes. He's just... It's like, it's like you got stuck in a, a jumping jack position. You couldn't get down. Yeah. Um, he's, he's pushing the seams of those khakis to the limit. Right? Um Good thing they're good old 1970s khaki construction and not this um, 21st century Old Navy khakis construction. Those things would have just split right apart. Right in the crotch when you don't want them to. We would have seen a whole lot of red. I heard. Yep. (laughs) So um, uh, so Rick... um, Rick, uh, they, they eat some food, I think. Collie's preparing some food. Um, Collie walks in and yells, why ain't you working? Yep. Yeah. Um, but Rick thanks Collie for the food, um, but demands once again to be given directions out of the place, out of the cave. Collie still won't budge. Um, at this point, Rick surmises that Collie um, has been eating hallucinogenic mushrooms. To Will. Yeah, he tells Will that. You know, may I also mention the mush- the mushrooms that we saw earlier are just a loaf of bread on a stick. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, they were. Yeah, the, 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 the prop department was doing the best it could, um, Tyranno Ted. <laughs> but yes, you're right. It was, uh, it, it, was a, it was a loaf of bread on a Good stick. Good point. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So, uh, and Holly, Holly wants water. She's thirsty. Um, and Kali gives her some, some bad tasting water. And he tells her that it will put hair on her chest. Fermented uh, fish juice and mushroom juice. Yeah, and, and, and then she declares she doesn't want hair on her chest. And who can blame <laughs> her? Um, so then Kali says, well, he's going to go off then and get them some fresh water. So, uh, Rick asks then, strangely, if Collie's going to bring the cannon with him because of the slee stacks. Now, you know, th- this, this brings up a whole um, flaw in, in this whole captivity scenario, in my opinion. A, a cannon is not a, a very mobile weapon. Or a short-range weapon. Or, right. And, you know, Rick, you know, you know, I know he's afraid of going off into the tunnels on his own and getting lost, but he, he also seems to think that, you know, Collie can pick up this cannon and wield it around <laughs> as though it were a twenty-two. No, this also, um, this could be another thing to investigate. Maybe, uh, maybe Rick Marshall is suffering from Stockholm Syndrome. That's a good theory. Um, so... So what happens next? So, um, so Col- yeah, so Collie, um, Col- so Rick asks Collie if he's going to bring the cannon with him because of the slee stacks. Collie says, "No, he'll just bring light crystals because the cannon is out of ammo." Well, at this point, Rick totally loses his shit. Right, all along, he's been in that cave because he thought that the cannon was fully loaded, and that any minute. Kali was going to blast them with uh, a round. So, um, Kali runs off down the tunnel with Rick upset, having felt a fool, and the marshals decide they're going to follow him. All right, so we cut back to the dark tunnels. Um, Kali is making his way down, presumably towards the water source, um, and the marshals are following him. But we also see the slee stacks are hot on the tail of the marshals, right? But they're keeping a distance, um, and then the marshals come upon Collie at the watering hole, and then the slee stacks attack. Okay, so they fight off. They begin. I think are they struggling with the slee stack at this point? I can't remember. Um. I'm pretty sure that they're uh, they're just trying to get away from them. Cause the river's there, right? Yeah, and, it, and and Ted, you mentioned this before. At this point, Rick asks Collie if he can swim. Collie says he can't swim a lick, right? Um, Rick remembers the lesson that Collie taught him about combining the crystals. So he combines a green, a red, and a yellow crystal for an intense flash of light. That blinds the slee stack. Um, but at this point, Kali takes time to remind Rick that the yellow crystals are a bad choice to add into the mix, right? Because... You add a yellow one, they yeah, don't last too long. Right, right, because it don't last too long. Um, so the slee stacks move in because of Rick, um, Rick's mistake in combining the crystals. Right? He should have listened to Kali earlier. Um, 
when he was being taught how the crystals work. Um, but then Will, in maybe a desperate or a smart move, depending on your perspective, uh, picks up a handful of crystals and just throws a bunch at the slee stack. And this causes a massive explosion. Um, the marshals and Collie jump into the river and the slee stack take off down the tunnels. Okay. So then we cut to the marshals um, and Collie. They're outside of the caves in the river. Barely right? keeping Collie afloat. Yeah, barely keeping him afloat. And you know, maybe they could have just uh, let him mm-hmm. let him drown. I'm just saying, you know. Um, so, um, Will, at this point, um, declares that the river has turned into a swamp. Mm. Fair, fair observation. Then Collie points at something and yells, what's that? <laughs> and, um, my goodness, what is it? It's, it's a T-Rex, right? Looks kind of like Grumpy, Right. It even has the grumpy music. And Will begins to explain um, what it is. It's a T-Rex, and they used to have one near their cave. And then Will realizes it's grumpy, right? Then they see Dopey and the pylon, Mm -hmm. right? And they all realize that... They are right back where they started. So at this point, we get into some more universe building, and Rick begins to explain that <laughs> the rivers. <laughs> yeah, Rick explain. I don't yeah. think I caught that before. All right, go yeah. on. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. No, he begins to explain um, some stuff about the universe. At least his ideas. Um, he he begins to he begins to suggest that. The um, river's beginning is its end, and that um, maybe there is no way out. Called it a closed universe. Because now he's a theoretical physicist. Yep. Well, if Rick Marshall is a jack of all trades, Tyranno Ted. Mm -hmm. Um, Yep, he says they're in a closed universe, like a locked room in space. So. Um, I think that's um, I think that's the the mind of Larry Niven beginning to put some shape around this particular universe and its mythology. Um, and Kali, he's had enough talk about closed universes, locked rooms in space, endless rivers, and he declares he's going back to his canon. And Rick says, "All right, just go ahead." Um. Uh, you go on down the river, you know. And Collie, Collie takes um, takes a look at at what Grumpy's up to, and that's the end. That's the end of Collie, Jefferson Collie the third. And I don't know if we see him again later somewhere in the series. Um. Then we fit. Did you just leave him out there? Yeah. Then we fade. We we fade out to. We fade out to our theme song. That's it. That's the episode. Do we want to hear the theme song? The end? Have you ever heard it, Ted? Yeah, I've heard it. Yeah, let's just listen to a little. 
What we just heard there was Kali remarking on how big the Tyrannosaurus was. Here we go. That's the end. Yeah. Mm. So what did we think? Gentlemen, what did we think of this episode? I think this was a good episode with a lot of development in what uh, the universe might look like. Yeah. And the powers that run it. Yeah, by the powers, do you mean the crystals? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Dusty, any thoughts about this episode? I think it was uh, definitely more fleshed out than the others. The others were, uh, you know, a lot of traveling and and not a lot of content in between all the time. This one seemed to have been packed full of stuff. Yeah, and I like to... This is the first exposure we get to another human being inside the land of the lost and i'm like i'm really i'm really surprised that we didn't we don't end up getting more of that like later i I was thinking if i was thinking today when i was driving around um that if this show and that episode um had been made today, like a modern, serious take on this. Like, that's a character we would see again and again, probably. And mm. they, would, they would factor into future episodes of the show. Like, you know, you just don't forget that there's another human being that you can have access to and potentially mm. use as a resource. So, here's another yeah. uh, cool thing that I think this episode kind of uh, built on. Uh, again, with the kind of the rules of the universe thing, uh, it was interesting to see their remarks on how old Kali was, because they said, oh, well, he can't be 130 years old, right? Well, now that's even it's even longer, yeah. right? Um, but it seems time works a bit differently in this universe, so yeah. maybe if they got out, there wouldn't be that much of a detriment to their lives. Yeah. So do you think... Do you think... Kali could have been I mean obviously he was transported there back in the the late 1800s right yes um but if this if Rick is right in the land of the lost is like a locked room in space or a closed universe that you know hundreds of years would not have passed for Kali right but to, to the Marshall's perspective they can't help but think that he must be more than a hundred something years old, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, though, this also kind of brings us to like how people get in the uh, land of the lost and when that would happen. Because when he got in the land of the lost, it was a long time ago, and there was not a lot of people in the land of the lost. So, it kind of makes you think that maybe the earthquake that kind of sent them into the land of the lost, as shown in the intro, right? Mm-hmm. That maybe that only occurs once every uh, like hundred years or so. Yeah, that could be or possible. That, ev- that event drew from the entire timeline. There's no, you know, the earthquake happened and it pulled from all times. Yeah, the shared space. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, what's interesting, I think, later we find out in the show that there 
was at least one other person who was in the land of the lost who died and they had been there a long time ago. That will come up in a later episode. I believe maybe in season two. I can't remember when that is, but, um, so interesting. Yeah. I like this episode a lot. I thought it was really good. So I think that's going to bring us to the end. You know, I think just want to say to people, um, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. Um, Subscribe, download, give us reviews on Apple podcasts and keep those coming and we'll keep the episodes coming. And if you have thoughts on the episode or thoughts on how we're doing the show or there's things you'd like us to do, um, drop us a line. Okay. You can email us at land of the lost pod at gmail.com. You can DM us on Instagram. We have a Facebook group. We have a Facebook page. Just search for routine expedition. You'll find it and look for the slee stack head. Um, you can leave us comments there. Excuse me. <coughs> Had to clear my throat. Um, Yeah, and thank you for listening, right? Ted, anything you want to say? Not really. It was a good episode. Thanks for listening. Bye. Yeah, and I just want to mention, too, that our theme song is by our, I'll play it right now, our good friend of the podcast, Joshua Michael Stewart. Okay, you can find him at joshuamichaelstewart.com and on SoundCloud again follow us on Instagram uh, at Land of the Lost Pod our Facebook page and group Um, I will mention um, I have another podcast that I do if you want to listen to that and hear me over there you can find that at Soft Serve Podcast okay that's on all of the podcast places and that's it. That's all I have. Anything, Dusty, you want to plug? No, I'm just uh, continuing to support not the show Fresh Air, but the actual thing Fresh Air. Get outside. Out and, get outside and enjoy your enjoy your quarantine as much as possible. Yeah, enjoy your ferns, Dusty. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully you won't stumble upon an Ankylosaurus while you're out there. Um, Ted, good, good luck looking for your crocodile, bipedal creature hybrid things. I'll tell everyone when I find one. You'll tell us if you found one. Okay. All right. We might have you back. Solid performance. Absolutely. Thanks for being here, Ted, for filling in for Hog Shank. Two Alice's and one Grumpy. I'd call that pretty good. I gave you a Grumpy? At one point, yeah. I'll take it back. I'll give you a big Alice instead of... How's that? All right. I cancel out. Therefore, I get two yeah. Alice's. Pretty good. All right, people. Well, um, thanks. We hope you enjoyed the show. And until we do episode five, which should come out sometime in July, uh, be well, be safe, 
and don't fall through any time portals. Okay? Alright, bye now. <laughs>